Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our story continues today as we see Jesus beginning his ministry, confronting the things that we confront on a daily basis, and then training and showing his disciples that they can do exactly what he does. And, and I got to be honest, as I approach this Father's Day, and I, uh, I remember all that my father was to me, I remember also a little bit what I was to my father. A little bit of an antagonist, a little bit of a scoundrel. I remember when my dad took me out onto the golf course to share with me his love of the game. And Happy Gilmore had just come out. And so I lined up 10 yards behind the tee, and I ran, and I swang. I broke the driver head right off the club. (laughs) Right? I remember when my father finally got the son he desired when I married my wife. Right? So I am nerdy. I am technical. If you want Wi-Fi in your house, I mean, we've got Wi-Fi in the church. I added it to the church. But if you want to, like, work on your car or do a home improvement project, you should talk to Liz. Because I'm not really a power tool kind of guy. I'm not really a drain your oil and replace the oil kind of guy. I struggle, and so my father got the son he always wanted when I married my wife, you know, but you learn, you learn and you grow. And there are things that, that dad passed down to me. There are things that God gives to each and every one of us loves and desires that we are called to share with others. The things that you enjoy, the things that bring you joy, the things that, that you are happy about. Those are things that God has given you that you might share them with others, that you might grow with others. Now today we're going to be covering a lot of the four Gospels. We're going to be jumping around, and there may be things that we gloss over, so if you've got questions, we want you to be able to answer, ask them. And we'll answer them on Facebook Live this afternoon at 2 o'clock. Yeah, I'm going to take time away from the Father's Day festivities just so I can get those answers in, so you can text 248-274-4676 or you can write on the connection card and, and put those in the offering plate as it comes by and you'll be doing me a favor because I'll get to escape from the family party for a moment and breathe but God's plan continues today with you in mind Jesus comes to earth he's born last Sunday was Christmas and we jump 30 years into the future to when Jesus starts his ministry. And the Gospel of Matthew tells us exactly what happened. That Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? John recognizes Jesus for who he is, the Son of God who has come into the world as salvation But Jesus answered him in verse 15 of chapter 3. Let it be so now, for thus it is fulfilling, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented, and Jesus was baptized, and immediately 
he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all present in our text, showing us the mystery of our God. And, and that said that our baptism today does something different than Jesus' baptism. I've had a conversation with some other theologians, and, and they said when Jesus was baptized, he went into the water perfect, holy and blameless, and he came out of the water covered in our sin. Because that's different than us. We go into the water in baptism full of sin, even babies. And we come out of the water holy and pleasing and perfect to God. So Jesus, from this very moment, at the very beginning of his ministry, is prepared for his crucifixion. He's prepared to offer himself as a sacrifice for all of our sins to be for us the perfect righteousness that we would have a Father in heaven who says to every single one of us, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter with whom I am well pleased. And I know like today, Father's Day, yeah. Let's celebrate dads, yeah. If you've got a good one. But not all of us do. And not all of us good dads are good all the time, right? The first person who needs to hear the gospel, the first person that needs to receive forgiveness is me. Because I'm not always a good father. I'm not always a good husband. I'm not always a good son. They didn't say amen, so I feel like... Right? But this is the challenge. Because if we're going to walk through life pretending we're perfect, pretending we're Jesus, people are going to be disappointed over and over again when they find out we're failures and we're not. And when we're broken and when we're ashamed and when we, when we sin, when our patient, patience runs short, when we lament and when we cry. But it's not the moments of perfection in our lives. It's the moments of repentance and forgiveness that Jesus has earned for us. And the first thing, the very first thing that Jesus does once he's baptized is he goes out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And we read this entire text in our reading this morning. And it said Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. But he wins. We heard the, the temptations. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. Jesus defeats the devil in a way we never could. If we go back all the way to week two of our sermon series, we see Adam and Eve were similarly tempted by the devil, and they failed. They couldn't even not eat a fruit. 
If you go back to our, uh, our potluck yesterday, we had three tables of food as we celebrated with Living Word and Holy Cross. I mean, there was pulled pork, and there were delicious sandwiches and chips, and then somebody brought salad, and then there was dessert, some fruit plates. I don't think I would have been tempted by, an, by a fruit tree. I mean, maybe if the devil was like, hey, here's a nice T-bone. Yeah, I'm in. Where are we going? But, but maybe you, you hear Jesus' temptations and you're like, oh, I don't know, those weren't that hard. I probably could have passed that, that test to the devil. Right? Yeah, take me up to the top of the temple. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to throw myself off the temple because that sounds crazy, devil. Um, turn stones to bread? What, are you kidding me? I can't, I can't turn stones to bread. I mean, that's, we're two for two so far. And then he says, bow down and worship me, and I will give you all things. And maybe that's the one we struggle with a little bit. Maybe not directly that we bow down and worship the devil, but maybe we bow down and worship other things. But Jesus, Hebrews tells us, was tempted in every way like we were. We don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our sins and our weaknesses, but one who in every respect was tempted just as we were and yet was without sin. So we think about the things we face on a daily basis, the brokenness in our world that we face every single day. Jesus knows And he loves us anyways. He knows everything we're going through. And he loves us. And so Jesus starts his ministry after being tempted. And he goes into the world. And his his message, the, the words that Jesus shares, circle around this main point over and over throughout the gospel. You could put every story that Jesus tells, every parable that he shares, every teaching that he has around this main concept that he shares in Mark 1.15. He says, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. I mean, it's a, it's a two-fold message. Repent. Do you have anything that you wish you wouldn't have done this morning? Did you make it to church perfect? Are you going to make it through the service without thinking what you've got going on this afternoon? Will you make it through the day perfectly? Repent. And this is great. This is great news. Because God comes for you and me who need to repent. And he says, believe the gospel. Gospel is a word which translated means good news. There's good news for people who need to repent. And Jesus, as he's starting these teachings, he goes and he he goes to, to regular people, to normal people. And Jesus says this to a pair of fishermen 
follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, if we've heard Jesus's calling of the disciples before, we might not understand how strange it is, how weird it is that Jesus calls his disciples. Because in the Jewish educational system, there's a a kind of weeding out of uh, the smart people and the dumb people. How many of you here are engineers? I'm sorry, engineers, right? So I've got a few engineers, few engineers. When you went to the freshman year of college and, uh, and you were uh, doing your, your schooling, what was that one class that you had to pass that if you couldn't pass it, you just didn't continue in the program? Calculus? Yeah? Is there another hard one? Yeah? Can? Like, there are weeder programs. And this was built in to the Jewish educational system. When you were growing up as a little Jewish boy or girl, you had to memorize, memorize the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Memorized. Or you're out. That was what you had to memorize. I don't think I would have made it. And then if you pass that, if you've got the first five books of the Bible memorized, they would have you memorize every single writing of the prophets and the wisdom literature. So not only is it Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, it's Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, memorized. Like every single word. I'm out right? Like, yes. So when Jesus goes and calls his disciples, these are guys who are no longer training in the schools. They're guys who have failed, guys who have fallen through, guys who have gone to do what their dad does. They were fishermen, and zealots and tax collectors, they did not have it all together. And then Jesus comes and does a very peculiar thing. He asks them if they want to be his disciple. Normally, that's not the way it operates. Normally, you go to a rabbi and you beg the rabbi, based on the teaching that you've received, why you would be a good student to follow him. And you ask him, Rabbi, can I do what you do? And then he tests you and accepts you or declines you. But Jesus goes to the disciples and says, I believe you can do what I do. And that's exactly what Jesus does. He recruits the disciples to actually do what he does. 
And this is weird. This is very, very strange. And the leaders of the day, the Jewish temple leaders, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they find this to be strange. And so after Jesus calls a tax collector to be his disciple, Jesus goes to the tax collector's home and eats with him, and they respond, why is your rabbi eating with tax collectors and sinners? Like, doesn't he know any better? Doesn't he know that these guys were failures? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And these regular people would follow Jesus around and watch him do all sorts of miracles. He would heal the sick. He would give sight to the blind. He would make the mute to be able to speak. He would cast out demons from the possessed. He would take a few loaves of bread and some fish and feed thousands of people multiple times. And then he told his disciples, it's your turn. You're going to do what I do. And Luke 9 records that he called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Jesus called the 12 disciples very specifically because he believed that they could do what he does, and then he sent them to do it. And you might say, you might, you might very reasonably say, I mean, well, those guys were special, right? He chose those guys. We know their names. I mean, that's a big deal. Their, their names are written in the Bible for us to remember. So those guys were special, and I'm not really all that special, so I, I couldn't possibly do what Jesus does. But I'm obviously trapping you. That's a trick. Because the very next thing Jesus does in the very next chapter is that he takes 72 unnamed people. And the Lord appointed those 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I don't work where you work. I don't go to school where you go to school. I don't play on the playground where you play or in the Fortnite channel that you occupy. You do. You do. 
God sends each one of us to the places where he has planted us as police officers and engineers and dentists and construction management and all sorts of jobs in all sorts of places so that we can be his love in the world. But he warns us. He says, watch out. Go your way, but behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. And he says, carry no money bag or knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be with this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. Wherever you go, look for that person of peace in your world. They are going to be an ally for you. Jesus doesn't even say they have to be believers to befriend you. So, like, I've got some regular guys that I sit next to at the bar on Thursday nights when I'm writing my sermon, and we've started talking about Jesus because they're kind and they're nice and they haven't rejected me, right? And you've got some people in your school who may be kind and nice and haven't rejected you. And you've got some people at your work who are kind and nice and haven't rejected you. And it's those people of peace in your life that Jesus is calling you to share love and grace with. And the 72 return. The text tells us they go on all sorts of adventures sharing the gospel. And the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus says, nothing shall hurt you to men and women who would ultimately give their lives for the sake of the gospel. They would be beaten and broken. They would be crucified and beheaded for sharing the gospel. And Jesus says nothing will hurt you because he knows that he is more powerful than what anyone can do to us in this world. He knows he has power over death and that those who die in Jesus will be raised from the dead. It's the promise we have that he suffered death and he rose for you and me as a promise. And Jesus says, the things that I have done, and we know that he's done a lot of amazing miracles. He says, you're going to do even greater works than these. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the Father and Jesus ascends to the Father and he sends his Holy Spirit to you and me that we might have faith and believe and that we might share that faith with others. You are a part of God's plan of salvation shared with others. But maybe as a follower of Jesus, 
you've hit a wall and you're struggling and you're broken. That happens too. The disciples come back to Jesus and they ask Jesus, you've given us all this power and authority. Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And I feel like Jesus is messing with them. Like, what's that thing in your life that you're struggling with right now that you've prayed about? Like, Jesus, uh, Jesus, we tried prayer. Jesus, um, I'm pretty sure I've brought this one to you in prayer, and it still sticks to me like that stuff you can't get out of your clothes. I've prayed about it. I've begged you for it. Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, he says, I've had three opportunities to pray for this thorn in the flesh to leave me. And we might chuckle at Paul that he's only prayed about it three times when we've prayed about it every day of our lives. And God's answer to Paul and his answer to you and me is that my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, therefore, I'm going to boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, I am content with weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In those moments where we are too weak, we pray and we let God act. This is the gospel which is good news for you and for me, that the things we cannot do, God accomplishes through Jesus for us. Jesus begins his ministry by calling the most normal people, people like you and me, And he says to us, my grace is sufficient for you. And then he invites us to follow him and to do what he does by sharing grace and love and mercy where he places us. Pray with me. Lord God, Heavenly Father, We give you abundant thanks for the life, the death, and the resurrection of your Son, our Savior, Jesus, that you have sent us your Holy Spirit to put faith in our hearts. Lord, as we live out our lives, give us courage and boldness to share your love and your grace wherever we are. This we pray through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.